Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 64 of the Coffee Club podcast. Changing up the studios today. If you're watching the video version, you'll be able to tell immediately that we are no longer in Boulder, Colorado, Longmont, Colorado, anywhere in Colorado, in fact. We, uh, <laughs> Ollie and I have just returned back to the Australias, as you can see from our beautiful backdrops. Back to, back to the Aussie land. Beautiful, beautiful day here for both of us. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's freaking nice, man. I always forget how beautiful it is coming back here. Uh, today's episode will be a bit of a shorter one because we have no George, unfortunately. He has to attend the betrothal of his brother. Is that a correct <laughs> right way to say that? I think that's the correct is way to say that. George has, has uh, copious responsibilities that mm-hmm. he only found out about pretty much when he got on the plane. So he's uh, a lot doing of pressure. rehearsal. He's, he's yeah. been caught up to MC the wedding, which that's, that's is a, a lot of responsibility. Yeah, you got to like, you can't just do that without. With, with zero preparation, you definitely have to have a lot of jokes up your sleeve just to keep the night going. So he's he's currently getting ready to do that. So shorter episode today for us. We're just, you know, a little bit of chit-chat, talking it through. We spent <laughs> a lot of time together in the last, I guess, day. Well, yeah. I mean, to be honest, we, in, every single, in any given day, we spend a lot of time together because we live together. But this past day for us has included... 24 hours of travel, a 15-hour flight from LA to Sydney. So we've spent a lot of time to to get here. So I think just to start off, just to just to give everybody an idea of what it's like for us coming home, I think we should both just go through exactly what we've done since we touched down, which at this point was about six hours ago, I want to say. And then since then, Ollie That's took right. his journey to the Sutherland Shire, the land of the, the surf, the swell. God's country. God's country. The salt, the sand. Such <laughs> the salt, the sand. Sandwiches. Sandwiches. A porto. I, a porto. I departed. Oh I, took the, I took the lesser traveled route to Randwick, which is... Lesser uh, traveled. The posh area. Yep. Yeah. yeah <laughs> <nah>. <laughs> Ollie always makes fun of me for living in a posh area, but really, we're just normal people here as well. Yeah. Just very, very fancy area. No, Randwick. I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed to like. I I can only spend I think a minimum of a couple of days in where Morgan lives in Randwick area, Coogee okay. area. Otherwise, I get deported. So I have to be sent back to to the Shire. Okay, so I, 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 don't get... mind, I don't mind joking about it, but just so that everyone does know, because you, if you don't know our specific areas, you wouldn't know exactly. My area is not actually that posh. I don't mind joking it, but I don't want I don't want people to get the wrong idea. So I do have to clarify where I, where what would I come you, upper from. Middle class, upper middle class. Yeah, well, no, not even to be honest. Randwick is an extremely diverse and big suburb, but near near me are some very wealthy areas. I'll I'll put it mm. like that. Well, so, I can see the same. I can see I can same see them. I can see them, and um, I mean, we live in a beautiful place here. I think both of us are very very lucky. Yeah, very lucky where yeah. we live. <laughs> so no complaints here, but. Um, no. How about you go first and just give us the rundown. We met at the airport. We met both our mothers, and you were yep. very lucky to have Roger Hoare, your pug, there to greet you as well. And then what happened after that? So pretty much we went to the car um, and drove all the way from Sydney Airport. It was about a 35-minute drive to Cronulla, which is like the local beach where I live. We went down there, went for a walk along the beach. Very beautiful. Got you know the nostalgia kicking in. Being back in Australia, the salt, the sand, uh, the sun, 
and also like just the the, the casual like everyone in australia like kind of dresses the same everyone's wearing like shorts and thongs and an rbca nice. shirt you know with should a hat clarify, what should clarify what thong, thongs mean when you say it like that oh uh flip-flops for the Americans. <laughs> yeah. uh flippy flop flops. Just... i mean people are probably still wearing thongs as well just you just can't see them very um, very casual very casually and uh ran into uh one of mum's mum used to teach one of the girls that teaches now so we ran into her went in and grabbed coffee uh had two coffees with mum caught up with her had a good chat enjoyed being down near the beach and then a porter was next door just coincidence you know so i uh, i grabbed some <laughs> a porter for lunch to. took a photo of it put it on my instagram story you know just wanted to make sure people knew that i was you know back in uh back around at a porto um explain so a porto there. To, the, to, the, to the listeners so porto is like it's it's like i, I would say chick-fil-a is quietly high rated in america is like the place to get a good chicken sandwich i would say the place to get a good chicken sandwich in australia is a porto like there's a portuguese chicken place um it's similar to nando's in a way like similar kind of spice and, and style of of chicken and it's kind of like I would classify it as healthier fast food. It's still not healthy, obviously. Um, those, but it's those like fries really are nice. definitely not healthy. The fries are definitely not, but the chicken salt, the amount of chicken salt they put in those <laughs> fries, definitely not. That'll give you diabetes. Um, in general, though, really good fast food restaurant, like like super Australian, because like there's a burger on it called the Bondi Burger, which is super popular. Um, but it's got like chili, this this chili sauce that they have. They have cheese, like grilled chicken fillets um, on like a burger, lettuce, tomato. Cheese. Do you go? Um, do you go a single Bondi burger, a double Bondi oh, burger, or a triple Bondi burger? I do the double Bondi burger with chili. I had five chicken tenders, like breaded tender things with garlic sauce and chili sauce. I had large fries and a solo, which is Yum. like a lemon squash. It's like a uh, how to describe it to Americans. It's like a soft drink, but it's very lemon based. It's not like a sprite. It's like a. It's more th- natural. It's like yeah, it's like yellow. It's really good. Probably, it's probably not natural yellow, to be fair. That's probably artificial. No, it's probably but... chemical yellow. Um, <laughs> but I had, <laughs> I had that, and then I literally head straight back to the house, caught up with my dad, gave him a big hug. Hadn't seen him in a while, see how he was doing. Um, he actually uh, <laughs> he, he made a, um, like a book collage of all the articles from all the races that I've done the past year, so I went through that, which was quite cool. Um, oh, showed them the Com Games medal, which was cool. Uh, they were, their mom and dad have been walking around wearing it uh, around the house um, and then went to pick up my rental car, which cost me a bomb. Yeah, uh, that sucks. Yeah, it was pretty expensive. It was more expensive than I expected, but it's nice to have a car. I can get around, bit of freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a rental car. I uh, picked that up, drove on the wrong side of the road straight away, <laughs> went on the right side of the road. So in Australia, everyone drives on the left side of the road. Everything's the opposite to the U.S., so I had to get used to that in the first 30 seconds without getting hit by a car. Came back, grabbed my shoes, went for a run down at Cronulla. It was super windy, but it was a nice little five-mile run. Um, felt really good because it's not an altitude, I think. <laughs> also, getting off the plane, I think I just felt a bit more better getting outside, getting some fresh air. Came back um, to the house and uh, pretty much just got ready for this podcast. And mum is bringing out Roger right now. For, for listeners he has a new christmas hat morgan you're gonna love this so oh, everyone God. this is roger with my mom he has a turkey hat with <laughs> uh santa claus <laughs> santa claus oh, that's amazing things on um so here's rog roger Hall, gonna... welcome to the podcast yeah yeah 
There he is. Hey, Raj. Hey. Don't let Gus see this one. No, Gus is going to be very upset. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Roger is a, a very adequate stand-in for when we can't be with Gussie boy. The CEO. Well, you met Roger for the first time at the airport. You thought he was pretty chill. He's so chill. I don't, I don't know yeah. what's, if he's always like that, but he just does not give a flying... He doesn't give a fuck. They say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's so chill. Look at him. He's so, so chill. He's a great co-mascot yeah. for the podcast, I think. He is. He's our temporary mascot while Gus is uh, on his vacation away from us. Getting mm-hmm. looked after by Alyssa. Thank you, Alyssa, for looking after Shout him. out to Alyssa. And the that. hat goes off. So, um, But yeah, that's pretty much my lead up to it. I tell you what, though. Like it's funny because I look think back at like the first movie I watched at the plane. And it feels like like days ago. It feels so doesn't long it? ago. Doesn't yeah, it? It's wild. Well, my day was very similar, especially in in terms of the fact that I just did like the things that I love to do as well. Like we both just came back and just ticked the boxes of yeah, checking in with the things we love. I got off the plane and also went straight to breakfast down the road at a little cafe having coffee and um, just some nice brunch type food. Came back here, chilled out for a little bit and then went for my run down in Centennial Park. And I just, it was crazy because I had so much nostalgia running Mm. through Queens Park and Centennial Park because for those who don't know, those were Centennial Park is probably the most popular park in Sydney, like in the city area for people to run. And I'm lucky enough to live a five or 10 minute jog from it. So I've just like, it was just kind of hitting me being back there how much I've experienced in the park. Like I would just run by all the different sections because it's a pretty big park and I'd be like, oh yeah, like I ran my first ever cross country race there or like I ran these other races there or I used to go like bike riding in this little section as a kid. So I was just getting hit by mad nostalgia while at the same time, just an appreciation for how lovely it is to run here because it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's just different from boulder and we'll talk more about specific running training differences later but yeah just to be able to run in the nice weather on a nice park on grass and dirt and all that was just so amazing so i actually felt surprisingly good as well because i thought i was going to feel pretty bad coming off the travel and all that but i felt good i was like hell yeah let's let's get after it no more altitude and then after that i came home and also then went down to the beach very windy in my neck of the woods as well, but I still jumped in the water, went for a little swim, just a quick dip to get those uh, super healing powers of the salt water. And then I came back here and then I took a bath. If you don't know yes. me, <laughs> if you don't know me, uh, that is my my biggest pleasure in life is submerging my body in warm water, whether that's a bath or a hot tub or anything similar. That's like my favorite thing to do in the world. So I got on the path. I sent Ollie a picture of my toes. I said, if I'm if I'm late to the I'm, podcast, this is why. <laughs> I'm going to sell that for the, to the highest bidder as well, that feet pick. That's going to be a, a big feet pick sell. Yeah. Me. I mean, like, to be, be honest, like, when's the last time you had a bath? See, it's going to be a thing. long time. This is the brutal thing is we don't have a bath at our current place and we didn't have them in our last place. And not Sherman either. Did we have a Sherman? Yeah, we did. So I would take oh, baths did. in the place before that. But it's just so brutal. I just, I think the the reality is you're either a bath person or, or you're not. You either get it or you don't. And so I walk into a house that doesn't have a bath and it feels half finished to me, whereas other people mm. see a, a complete house. And I just, 
it just hurts a little bit. And I would pay good extra rent to get a bath mm. put into our place if that was a possibility. But unfortunately, I don't think they offer that. So while I'm here, I think I'm going to be on a strict two bath a day schedule to make up for all the baths that I can't take in Boulder, which is also mm. just really challenging because it's winter there and it's proper winter. It's snow. Do you know how amazing it is to come back from a cold run and get in the bath? Mate, that's the best thing about it. That's what the bathtub's <laughs> there for. I mean, like, to be so, honest, like, yeah. it's just, that's what we did at Wisconsin. We didn't, we had the hot tub and every cold run we do, we get straight into the hot tub, whether we were feeling mm-hmm. it or not, we'll just go into the hot tub. So, I mean, my mum's a bath person. We have a big bathtub here. I'm looking forward to my first bath uh, at the house. But um, the nostalgia hitting you from Centennial must have been amazing because you haven't been, we talked about it uh, on previous pods, but you haven't been uh, back in Australia for three years. So how, how is it feeling being back home? Is it starting to, to, to like kind of click in that you're back in Australia or does it still feel a bit foreign? No, it really does feel amazing. I'm surprised it feels very just comfortable to be back, which I thought I was going to feel. There is a word for it. I can't think of it. It's like opposite alien syndrome it's not that at all that's definitely not the words but it's like i'm not a tourist because this is my home but i've been gone now for i've lived in the u.s for over eight years and i haven't been back Mm. to australia for three years so you almost feel like you're gonna feel like an outsider but honestly feel very comfortable being back home being here in the just yeah it just feels familiar and it just feels nice so i'm really enjoying it i'm normally pretty chill about that type of stuff but definitely being back here has been it just feels very good to be back home so i'm very happy that i got to come back for this brief time we're both well you're back for three weeks i'm back for two weeks and i'll be back in the u.s but no it feels really good so very happy to be here catch up with a few people but just take it pretty chill i think that's the plan for both of us definitely yeah and yeah so moving on from that on to some more real world running new stuff our last episode surrounded uh, was about the cross champs, kind of our recap, and we definitely did not take it easy on them. I'll say we were a little bit harsh, no. perhaps, in our recap of the race. And I think Sound Running, as an, I guess Sound Running is a company. Sound Running is a company or a brand. Yeah, got a lot of the heat because they were the organizers of the race. And so, in response to that, we got a message, a long message from the sound running Instagram. And so I think it's from Jesse himself, I imagine who runs sound running and he's kind of running through all the different points that we hit and he's given, uh, his response to them. And so I, we both felt like we should kind of go through it and read his message because this isn't an apology. It's more just us figuring out how the sport works and sharing that journey with our listeners kind of just delving more into the nitty-gritty of how this stuff actually works and why things are the way that they are. So to start off his message, he said, wanted to give you a look inside the XC event as you have a voice in the sport, blah, blah, blah. Gold label. Being a gold label meet does mean that there are points on the table for competing athletes. Unfortunately, it doesn't mean you get any help from World Athletics or any money. It actually costs us more money about 8k because of the additional testing standards and required signage we get nothing but the ability to put that gold label logo on our event knowing how important important the points are is the only reason we kept the label it's honestly more work and no real help to the actual production or budget of the event 
So that's the first point is the gold label stuff. And I think that's pretty fair. Uh, I guess, would you say it's, it's really good that they did get the gold label? Cause I think that was a big reason why people went to compete in it. But would you say that you're surprised that a gold label event doesn't get any support from world athletics to help make it a better event? Or do you think that makes sense? Uh, it's it's hard because I don't see like like this is like you said it's, it's hard because we're we're trying to figure out how the sport works and how it's run, and you would expect what athletics to help fund a gold label meet, um, bring in the right amount of people, the right talent, and get the hype around a gold label event because it is a lot of points. Um, but I would I would think too, it's hard to realistically rely on just one organization like World Athletics. A lot of those other meets that are gold label usually have a major sponsor. I think Fitness Bank was the major sponsor that Jesse had for the Cross Champs because it was called Fitness Bank Cross Champs, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. So like sponsors like that hopefully help with the funding so you can break even maybe with that 8K or, or hopefully exceed it so you can actually make some money off the meet. Um, but yeah, I, I am a bit surprised it costs that much money for a cross-country gold label. I would expect that type of money or a bit more for like a, like a track um gold label because i know that that would be much more expensive probably harder to set up and maintain just with facilities events um having more officials and all that sort of stuff but yeah i mean it's definitely tough because you don't really know um or you don't really we don't really go through the process we turn up and compete and race um and we can, can be critical of, of what i mean is like but we don't really set it up or go through that um strenuous kind of ordeal of uh trying to get that gold label um yeah but with Jesse, I think, yeah, like it's just having that information, it's just nice to know that, that that's what he had to go through to get that gold label. Um, but the other little uh, <laughs> little problem that, that was there was the uh, we didn't know that those points actually don't matter because you have to do three cross-country races. We didn't know this. I don't think a lot so of people did. They thought, yeah, that's the big yeah. one. That That's the big thing which there's confusion about. And even Dathan to this day, is a little bit confused about how World Athletics has worded it or how they've kind of portrayed it to us. And I think Kyle Merber in his newsletter wrote it out pretty clearly that it seems like it's not one performance in a gold label cross-country meet that gets you points for your 10K ranking. It's actually, you need three, and maybe it's the average of them, I'm guessing. So yeah. none of us knew that going into that. So that's no. other key information. Which That's I don't, tough, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you would expect... You would expect someone to know that. I guess it's our job to know it for us, but then you would also think your coach, your agent, and the people putting on the gold label meet would also know it. So it is a big just head scratcher that like that can be how the sport works, that at the top level we're not made aware of that stuff. But uh, going back for a second, I am surprised that World Athletics doesn't help support a gold label cross-country meet, especially yeah. one that's more up and coming and is, you know, Jesse and Sound Running, they were doing everything they could to find sponsors. It's not like they weren't yeah. trying to do that. So I would expect a bit more support there. But I it's guess it's interesting too, it, it being in the US, you'd think that they would, like the World Athletics would jump onto something like that, get a cross country meet in the US, because we know Madrid, for example, is a, is a gold label cross country meet, seems to be quite popular. Um, it's interesting that World Athletics wouldn't jump at the opportunity to invest in a cross country meet in the US, considering like the market is. Probably it's probably a good place to, to, to set something like that up with NCAA cross and cross country in general is quite big in the US. So that was interesting to hear that, that they wouldn't um, 
invest in it. Maybe it's a trial thing. Maybe they look at the the response to the athletes turning up this year, and next year Jesse is able to get some help maybe from what athletics. Well, it, seems like they don't, it seems like they don't fund any of the cross country meets. I would imagine, which seems weird. But yeah, so you mentioned probably just Ma- Madrid, but they, yeah, it's weird. They're all in Europe, pretty much all the yeah. gold level cross country meets, and I think like I think there's like six or seven of them in Spain. So it is a really weird setup. That obviously, if you need three races to get the to count for your ranking, if you're based in Europe, your way it's a big advantage because you can just easily travel to all these meets. Whereas if there's one gold label meet in America and you're based in America, I mean, it's going to be very difficult to travel to do the other, to get three of those races in. So it is just a really weird system. It seems like right now. And I guess they're still figuring that stuff out, but yeah, it'd be good if we just, there's more transparency with that type of stuff, I would say. Yeah, but, there should be. Cause I, like, for example, Emily Infield, right? She, she literally said in the press conference, I'm coming here for the points. I'm here for the points. That's what people are here for. And now those points are useless. She probably should have just gone to BU, try to run a fast time, maybe get a, get a standard or, or something like that for the 5k. So like for them, it's opportunities that they need to have. Yeah. Like you said, more transparency. So they know, okay, this meet, I have to run two other cross country races. That's going to be hard for me to do i can't go to europe at this time of the year i'm probably just going to go run a 5k in bu or i'm just going to do the cross-country meet with the team or or something like that so but yeah it'd be interesting to see like um it'd be interesting to know actually how the madrid meet works like what funding they must get pretty good funding from from other companies and stuff maybe that's how they're able to run that meet is just the well, uh, other third parties i, I don't so the Spanish cross country meets. There's not just the Madrid one. I don't even. Need, I don't even think that's necessarily the biggest one. They're they're really old, like big meets that have been around for a long time, and I think they just have a lot more money behind them. They've just they're just much more established. So I think it kind of makes sense that they're able to function mm. on a way higher level. But moving on from that, the second point that uh, sound that Jesse brings up is the course, and. He wrote to us, as a new event in Austin, we were denied access to all public parks and golf courses. Our only option was to find private land to keep it in Austin. We had the same worries about the course, so I completely understand as it wasn't our first line, first choice in a line of venues. It won't be the course in the future for several reasons. We will get coaches to sign off on the course early to make sure everyone is on board. So that's obviously, you know, that makes sense. And I think that's a pretty big tick getting the coaches to sign off on it because that's been the big thing for the last two years has been issues related to the course because just the injury risk and just, yeah, you just want it to be on a good course that suits everyone and makes for better racing. Uh, moving on from that, he says, why Austin being in Austin is super important to the future of the event as we will always get more sponsorship money with all brands in town. And this will help continue to raise the prize person event as a whole being in Austin during that week puts the sport on display in front of many decision makers in the sport it really does make a big difference. We had a dozen conversations with new sponsors because of it being the same week as the running event. So he goes on to talk a bit more about that. And so I think that makes it pretty clear that he plans to line it up with the running event in Austin every yeah. year, which those reasons that he just listed do make a lot of sense because I think I, I imagine, I can't remember exactly how we said it, but I imagine we said, yeah, you could, if you can't put it in a good course in Austin, you should just host it put it in a different city where you can get on a good course. But this argument does make a lot of sense to host it in conjunction with the running event and with all the, the big wigs that are around during that time. So that's pretty logical as well. 
Yeah, I, I think I like what he said about the cross-country course, like being able to look at something like that and say, we can do better than this, we can fix it and work together as a community. I love that idea. And the Austin, I, I understand now, because like we, we didn't even know about this Austin meet, um, or sorry, the Austin convention for, for sports, like specialized running uh, stores and everything like that. It's really cool. Um seeing what they do and like having like the kind of booths and setups and you can wander around and see all these different products and people putting on a display of, of what they have in the coming future, having brands like that and people that are invested in the sport, jumping into to an event like cross country, uh, pro cross country race is a really cool idea. So definitely makes sense um, to have that in Austin to, to try and get those more of those sponsors involved with that meet. Um, so that, that all definitely makes sense. It just sucks though that, he, he couldn't get access to, to public park or, or golf course or anything like that. It just even, I don't know. It's just like, I mean, we know Texas. Texas has so many places you could run. Apparently, there's like cross-country courses here and there and there's big parks and yeah. So hopefully that will that will get uh, fixed in the future and they can find a better place to run it because it would be a really sick event to be able to do in Austin. Austin's a really cool place to, to go and it'd be very, very awesome to be able to do that again in a, in a much better course. Yeah, and... I, I totally agree with what you're saying and pretty linked to that. One of the things that we kind of joked was that I did, we didn't even think that there were people from the running event at the meet, which I guess seems like we were just wrong about because he says that they bust about 200 running event guests to the course. And so there were in attendance, a lot of pretty important people uh, from the running event, which is pretty cool to hear. So that's a point that we were just wrong on and it's good to be corrected for that. And he goes on to elaborate on, how important it will be to try to get the course closer to the running event so that people, it becomes, this cross-country race becomes a bigger part of the running event, hopefully in the future. So hearing more about the struggles that he has and then also the long-term plan that he has for the meet, I think, um, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't know if I'm going to apologize, but I'm going to say uh, I think it makes a lot, lot more sense now. And uh, hopefully these changes definitely do happen in the future and then it continues to be a better and better yeah. event and we can continue to show up every single year and, and do it because at the end of the day, we had, a, we had a really fun time. It was a great trip. So, it was so much fun uh, to yeah, do a team thing like keep, that. Yeah, just like, it was just like so awesome. So if we can continue to do stuff like that, I think we definitely want to do it, especially this time of year. I guess the only thing that, would probably take us away from competing in that cross country race is if there is a really good opportunity at the BU track to go run a fast time and we feel like we need to do that. That That is the shitty thing with our sport being, at the end of the day, we are track runners. That's That's what our sport is. So if we have to go get something done on the track, it's always going to be our first priority. But yeah, I think both of us would love to continue to do that meet every single year and hopefully just get better people out there better teams you know definitely i mean like i yeah i don't think we need to apologize i think we we definitely said things that we just didn't we, we felt at the time being critical about something that like for example like the course and in the situation but having jesse come and respond to us and give us that information like that's important to be able to have that transparency like we talked about i think the one thing that i have issues with this sport is that there's not a lot of transparency. There's not a lot of people being able to tell you like what requirements are, what things go, like what, what it means or what effort goes into an event. Like 
it's just nice to have a two-way communication with uh, like a meet an organized meet uh and the athlete i think that's just a cool thing because then you know exactly what people have gone through to set it up um how it's been run and what you could do to be more positive in that change like for example with the course or with uh, getting sponsors so yeah i mm -hmm. think it's it's cool to get that insight and it's nice to be able to to share that now so um, yeah. But yeah, like you said, I'd love to do it again. It was so much fun. Um, and doing a team event like that, you just don't get to do that much as a professional athlete in our sport. So Yeah. I can't wait now. Every year I feel like you are going to have to go out really hard the first mile. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a bit of a yeah. Sam, Sam Parsons at fifth I got to do a Sam Parsons. Yeah. You know, I, I don't Parsons. think there's any way for you to do that race without having a 10-second lead a mile into it at this point. Because yeah. – it was just so cool to see. And also, it worked pretty well. I mean, you ended up coming third. So, yeah, pretty, I was able to hang on. So, that worked out pretty well. <laughs> I, I think you got to keep that going. But yeah, so I, I do agree with you that it's cool to hopefully kind of shed positive light on it and have positive change by opening up the dialogue to both sides of the story because there's always two sides to the story. And I think it's really cool to try us learn about the process and then also share it with our listeners so they can kind of have those insights as well and, and learn with us so we're all learning here you know at the end we're of the learning. day we we don't really know what's going on we're pro runners and we don't even know what's happening so who yeah. knows but we're all trying to <laughs> learn and get better so that's that i would say um those are the cross champs loose ends i think we've gotten more than enough content out of that one cross country race so <laughs> i think it's a lot time. of content in that few episodes yeah. in i think episodes. it's time to, to close the book on cross champs until next year what do you think close the chapter yeah, but yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll we'll close it for george as well we'll just we'll close it yeah um, i'm fortunate that george isn't here to close his own book but we'll we'll do it for him in his we'll honor for him. and next year we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll be back to we'll be back to open it up and uh get it going again but yeah close it in his honor <laughs> <laughs> but because he, he, he had some harsh he had some harsh words pretty, to say he was pretty critical because George is usually very uh, zen, very middle ground. You are also very zen. I'm usually the one that says the dumbest shit and I get in trouble for it, which I should. Uh, but George, George is very zen. He had some things to say about that cross-country meet. And that was funny to see because him expressing his opinion was, it was, it was enjoyable to watch. It was like watching me. Um, yeah. You'd be nah, like, oh, we'll, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, is this, it's, it, it, I'm rubbing off on him. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll close that chapter for him. Uh, you're welcome george so the the final as i said i think this is going to be a short episode because we don't have george yeah. and we'll get george on he'll be back next week and we'll there's a lot that has happened well not a lot but there's been some very interesting stuff that has happened in the running world that we're kind of saving for next week for example european champs and mark scott leaving bauman we're going to save that for next week that's a little My teaser george right there that's a little teaser for you guys for next so week make sure you tune in tune in next week but the final yeah. thing that i think I wanted to kind of reflect on with you since we just arrived back home is the training setup here versus the US. And obviously it's a little bit different for us because this isn't our permanent setup. We're just here on holiday essentially. But whenever I'm back here, I'm just thinking, could I be a pro runner here? And so it's, I mean, obviously we're both based in the US and we've both been based in the US for a very long time. And there are very real reasons for that. But do you think that you could be a pro runner based here in Australia? There's there's three le like 
levels or elements that I have for this question that you've asked. It's a great question too, and I will, it'd be interesting to see what you say as well, Morgs. Um, but the first element I'll go through is is financial stuff. If I financially um, uh, had the same kind of setup, we'll set support that I have in the US, and then I was able to train here, I would say um, it could be possible. But the factor is that like, if you have that resource, does other people have that resource as well? You know, because I think in the US, what's amazing about what what we have over there is that there's a lot of international and American athletes on great scholarship, uh, scholarships, sorry, great contracts and scholarships in college, great contracts, able to train together, work together and create this, you know, push each other to better, better levels. It's a great environment. If I am paid the exact same money, but it's just me in Australia, it's just, it would be really tough. I think I've, I've relied, I think my, a lot of my success has been, uh, should be credited to my teammates as well. Um, to be able to train with Joe and, and Morgan and George and now Mario and, and Yard is just like, it's a blessing. So it's just something like, would I be able to get that same support? Probably not. Like it's just being an Australian, I'll be able, maybe train with Stewie, uh, maybe able to train with the MTC guys, which would be amazing, but I'd probably have to move to Melbourne. Um, <laughs> I'd have to go to Europe for, for three months, three, four months of the year because that's where all the racing is. Um, it's very, very hard, long travel to get there. Um, financially, you know, that would be cool to have that set up, but I, I think it'd be quite difficult. I don't think I'd be able to perform on the same level just, just from training standpoint. And then the other element I have is the trails, the roads, the space. Um, Sydney is not is a good place. It's, it's, there's some good places to run, but it's not very well maintained. I mean, like I ran down at Cronulla and it's just like, it's pavement most some of the time. And then when you get to the trail, it's just rocky and just it's not maintained. It's just a bit, bit dodgy. Um, but you go to Boulder, you go to Flagstar. I can't believe I'm saying Flagstar as a positive here. Uh, you go to Boulder, you go to Flag. You go to all these places in the US, not just there, and you got great places to run, great trails, very well maintained, um, tracks everywhere, accessible tracks. Like in Australia, um, you have to pay to enter a lot of tracks unless you're at a, uh, you know, maybe you're, you're fortunate enough to be able to get free entry into some of them. But it is quite difficult to get into entries of tracks. I'm very lucky because the local track, Sutherland, um, it's it's free to get on. It's public track, but uh, that's a very hard thing. And to be professional, just to have that peace of mind, like for us to have the peace of mind of going, I'm running an 18 mile long run. I can go to, um, you know, I can go anywhere. I can run on the trails. I can run on uh, Lobo. I can run on um, Monarch around Monarch around the Res. I can run it, like all these great places. You can go to um, Big Tex. You can go to all these Mongolia anywhere. Um, great, great, great running. Whereas here, you say, it's you say Mongolia. You, Mango- say, Mango- you, you say Mongolia. Have you been doing Mongolia. your long runs in Mongolia? <laughs> You've been yeah, going I mean, to Mongolia I mean, for your long I've been to Mongolia for my, my long Mags, Mags, sorry. Magnolia. Mongolia. Magnolia. Um, <laughs> been going to Mongolia. No, Boulder does have a lot of... Boulder yeah. does have a lot of long runs. But that's the one but, thing yeah. that I will, I will push back on you though because I would say... I would say there are great places to run here, but it's just... You're, you're just saying kind of specifically where you live because there's a lot of places yeah. in the US that are really shit to run if you live there. But I'm sure if you lived in a slightly different place in Sydney I'm or I'm sure if you lived in Sydney, Melbourne. There's places in Melbourne. Really, there's, there's really good places, places to run here. Yeah, there's places out in, out of Sydney. Falls Creek is probably a good place to run. There are those places, but I'm thinking of like being based here, like not travel, 
not being i guess you'd have to make that sacrifice and train somewhere like train somewhere where it's better um but i feel like the, the options in america particularly where we are in boulder is pretty pretty lovely so um and then the third element um to all of that is definitely uh for me the lifestyle i feel like the lifestyle in australia i would get carried away a bit too much um <laughs> I think that just been surfing, being with my brother, uh, being with mates, going out might be a bit of a um, deterrent. Always a bad boy. Always a bad boy. No, no, not a bad boy. I just get always, influenced always. very easily. If you guys didn't but know I, it yet, always a bad boy. <laughs> I'm not a bad now boy. You know. I'm, a, I'm a good boy. I just think in general, like being in the US with a team, with a coach, everyone's focused on the same goal. Also, it's just very helpful to keep me in line. Whereas if I'm by myself, I'm bored. I get, you know, my brother goes out to the pub. I go with him, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, "What am I doing at the pub at midnight? I should be at home." So, hundred beers deep, hundred beers deep, kebab, couple of kebabs deep. Do my (laughs) long run the next day. Yeah, kebab, kebab incoming. Do my long run the next day and still crush it. I don't know if I could do that forever, you know. So, uh, (laughs) I, I, I think. I think you could do it. It would just not be ideal. It wouldn't be optimum. I think optimum and Ollie, I don't know about Morgan. Obviously, he would say his side of it. But optimal Ollie, I think, performs the best in the environment that he's in with a, with a great team of people that are pushing me to get to that level, um, to be able to be around those trails and that type of running um, and also having that financial uh, help and support, I think, is just like it just it's put me to, to where I am now. So. It would be, you would be able to do it in Australia, but I don't think I'd be able to hit the same level. To be, to be honest, that's why I feel like I've made that sacrifice to be in the US. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd be interested to see what you think after I've said all yeah. that shit. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, I'm very much in the same page as you, and that's why I've been based in the US for eight years. It's to try to be the best runner that I can, and that's the place where I think it's going to happen. For yeah, all the reasons that you mentioned, but the way I would put it pretty simply from my perspective is that i think australia is an amazing place to run i think i can live here and i can be such a good runner like it's just lovely places to run i think there's a really nice running community here in sydney and i know there's a really good one in melbourne and in the other cities as well but when you're talking about pro running and you're talking about trying to perform on the best level get the most out of you and competing these big meets there just comes into play all these logistical issues. And that's what you mentioned as well. And for those logistical reasons, you're taking care of a lot better being based in the US compared to Australia. And as you said, that's talking about, you know, being closer to where the good races are. Uh, I think it's well known that a lot of the good Australian athletes like Stewie, they live on the road for five to six months of the year. So it's, it's really challenging. I honestly don't know how they do it. And then just the money aspect of it. And there's just a lot more depth in the US as well. Training opportunities, training partners, et cetera. Places that where there are a lot of pro runners based there. So for all those reasons, I agree. And that's why I'm based in the US and why I've been based there for so long in my pursuit of trying to be the best runner that I can. However, I am very uh, entertained by the idea of at some point trying to be a pro runner based in Australia. And that would obviously be like towards the end of my career. I think it'd be pretty cool to try and do that maybe like as a marathoner or or whatever, where 
you're not traveling to as many races, you know, you just pick like a couple of big ones that you focus on. So you're not on the road as much. And I think that'd be a great balance between being able to live in this beautiful place and train in this beautiful place and then go on these trips, uh, which are just a lot shorter and marathon training to me, at least seems to be a lot more individual anyway. It seems like it's not really as much about big training groups. So yeah, that's, that's like kind of a more romantic view on it is towards the end of our careers moving back to Australia and trying to do it here. I think that'd be really cool. That would be pretty sick. The only actually other factor that I forgot to mention, the altitude. Um, it's easy True. to find the altitude places in America. Australia, we do have places. We have Threadbow, Jindabyne in New South Wales. We have False Creek in Victoria. Um, like, how do you think that would factor in for marathon training later on? Like you could do training camps there, I'm, I'm guessing, like, or you could just go yeah, overseas. The reality is the altitude training here is pretty shit compared to what you're going to find in America or even Europe. So it just depends how much you care about that though, because yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think altitude is very important, but I don't think it's, I think sometimes I know someone that cares about over, it a lot. It sometimes is a little bit overhyped because I mean, we just, we just saw the Australian record get broken for the men's and women's. And I don't know exactly what Brett and Sinead, I do in for altitude if they have altitude tents or something like that. But I believe that they just do most of their training in Melbourne. So they're not living at altitude at least. So they're, they're yeah. making it work. But yeah, I think if you, if you really care about the altitude, then yeah, you want to be based in a Flagstaff or a Boulder. Ideally that's, I don't think you can do that in Australia, but yeah, that is definitely a factor as well. That leads you towards the U S but I think if I was living in Australia to try and trying to run, I just wouldn't care about that. You know? Mm. no just i think like i wouldn't either something nice it'd be something cool to do like maybe go on a training camp to Forest creek and get the benefit for a little bit but i wouldn't i wouldn't over i would try not to over hype the altitude I just, aspect i think it's yeah it's 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 a big thing now i think but if you look at like you race at sea level you can train at sea level probably just perform as best as you can and you'll get a result there like i i do think there is a benefit with altitude but i don't think the best runner is always going to come out on top if they just get the right, you know, setup and schedule and training in. But yeah, yeah, there's a lot of other important know. stuff out there. A lot so, of factors in there, but it'd be interesting. Yeah. So I'm in Morgan. Let's do it. Yeah, maybe, maybe one day we'll be back here trying to be. We'll, we'll be back here running the marathon. Yeah. 2032, Brisbane. 2032, Brizzy. It's going to happen. We'll be on the Gold Coast oh. with our budgie smugglers on doing high yeah. knees. <laughs> i can't wait i can't wait but yeah. yeah i think it's just a shorter episode today i don't know ollie is there anything else that, that you want to discuss uh no i don't think so um i think in general uh we should mention though that the pods for the next few weeks are going to be kind of split up on the cameras with george and uh that'll be fun to do again i i do i do miss i think i i have to say i do miss doing it together on the table there's something about yeah. it you know the vibe um having, yeah. having the boys together it's like it's like the uh the knights of the round table kind of thing exactly like not. the knights of the round table yeah. that's exactly what yeah. i was thinking as well solving solving the world's issues um <laughs> but no in general <laughs> in general no i think that was that was good and um i'm excited to come over tomorrow oh yeah i was coming to my barbecue place at, for uh, yeah, my parents are gonna come and hang out with Morgan's parents. We're gonna have a barbecue. It's gonna be breaking bread, the Last Supper. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah I don't have any friends really. So <laughs> I uh, <laughs> see because you, you have don't friends. Really I just you don't really count because you're my roommate. We live together. So apart from yeah, that, I, I'm a, invited, uh, I haven't I'm invited anyone. So yeah. I just <laughs> I only got I <laughs> I'm just convenient. <laughs> well, no, I mean. I mean, I guess you are my friend and my roommate, but it's kind of cheating, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, it's a I, don't ha- I, I don't have anyone else to invite. So, well, it's if like, I can I get Chris, um, that Chris has a friend. Chris, I right. you a close friend. Chris can be my friend. Chris, be lovely. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I think that's it for today. Uh, apologies for if you're watching the video that I've been in the dark the whole time. I believe I'm quite backlit. But hopefully, you know what you look. You know what you look like. You know those guys that like are nominous and they they talk about their story. Hmm. I'm anonymous. They're, they're trying to cover their face. That's that's you. You know when they're like, oh, like this guy was yeah. was with the ma- mafia or the cartel, and he talks about his story, and you're like blacked out. Yeah, I might have to put a voice changer on today just to really <laughs> le- le- lean into that. But no, I think that's uh, it for episode. What episode is it? Sixty four. Yeah, I probably should yeah. start. Thank you everyone yep. for listening. We'll be back next week with a bigger and be- hopefully better podcast with George back on the in the mix. So look forward to that one. Um, but that's it from us. We'll see you guys next week. See you next week.